Hey everyone, welcome to Fall Kickoff here at Faithbrook Church. It is so good that we can worship together on site, online, and for those of you watching in later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. Well, for those of you who are here on site, as you were walking in, I'm sure you saw the fun festivities over to your right. So I just want to invite you to join me on the lawn immediately after service today. We will have discounted tickets for sale for the taco truck, the pizza truck, and also for donuts as well. And there are inflatables for kids of all ages. I look forward to connecting with you and hanging out with you on the lawn. Well, maybe you are a guest with us today. Maybe you've been coming around for a while. Maybe you're invited. Well, either way, I just want to say a special thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join in with us. So welcome. And Faithbrook Church exists to love God, to love people, and journey together. And to make that happen, we have four focuses or four main ministries going on around here. The first is a Sunday worship experience, what we are experiencing right now, right here in the worship center. We also have awesome kids ministries and a great guest experience and coffee as well. The second focus we have is our student ministries. This student ministries exists so that students can have a chance to make some friends and also grow in their faith with Jesus. On Tuesday nights, there's ministry for 4th through 6th graders, and on Wednesday night, there's ministry for 7th through 12th graders. And in fact, those ministries are kicking off this week right here on campus. So you will make sure that if you have a student or students, make sure you don't miss out on this. The third focus we have is our local community outreach. And we really believe and have a heart for our city and want to make an impact. In fact, coming up for fall, we're gonna have an awesome service project, so be on the lookout for that coming up in October. And the last focus that we have, our last ministry, is our groups. And our groups exist so that adults have a place to make some friends and grow in their faith with God. You see, sometimes coming around to church, you can show up on Sundays, but it can be really easy to slip through the cracks and not be able to make any friends. And let's be honest, it's the relationships that we have and the friendships that we make that really make us stick around and feel a part of a church community. And that's why our groups exist so that you can have a place to belong and make friends and grow in your faith in Christ. And our groups are going to be kicking off on October 3rd, but signups are opening today. So you want to make sure to act fast. And if you're interested in signing up for a group, you'll want to act fast. And the best place to check out our groups is through the Church Center app. You can download it from your app store. If you don't have an account yet, it's really easy to set up. And once you get to the main account page, you can go down to the bottom right and click on groups and you can go on from there. And again, I want to remind you, you want to make sure to act fast because spots are filling up quick. If you have any questions or you need any help with finding a group or getting connected, you can always email me at pastormike at faithbrook.church. Well, today we are kicking off a brand new series called Win the Day. So we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. Well, have you ever realized sometimes in your life you got to change course? that sometimes things have to change. Maybe you're involved in a hobby and you're like, mm, this is probably not the best thing for me. Uh, maybe there's a habit that you're like, well, that's not too healthy. I, I, I need to change that. Sometimes it can be jobs. Sometimes it can be friends. Uh, sometimes it can even be a career. I, I know a guy that was pursuing dentistry and uh, he went to school and then realized that part of dentistry is you have to do some surgery, and that meant blood, and he wasn't really good with blood. He says, there needs to be a course change here. Something has to change. Uh, sometimes it has to do with relationships, right? 
you're involved with someone, someone's involved with you, you're realizing this is probably not the best, maybe there needs to be a little change here. Uh, it used to be that you used to get this phone call or maybe a text, text and it would say, we need to talk. Now, if you ever got a text like that, we need to talk in a relationship, that's usually not a good sign. Okay, I want to tell you right away, usually there's going to be a change, usually not for the good. Well, welcome to Faith Brooks. So glad to see everyone here today uh, on this kickoff Sunday. Maybe you're viewing us online. Thank you for uh, worshiping with us online. We are entering into a new series, like Mike said, uh, Win the Day. Now, a lot of times uh, we realize, mostly privately, that we might not be winning the day. We might be surviving the day. We might uh, have some thrills during the day. But a lot of times, inwardly, there can be some private, secret stresses and discouragement that are happening in our life. A lot of times, we just kind of grow up, and we wanted to write our own story. And we really never check in with God that is it his story, what his story would be for our life. Before we know it, as our story is unfolding during life, we come to find some regrets sometimes. We find some dissatisfactions uh, and some discouragements there, some doubts in our life. Well, the good news is, is that God wants to help us write a new story, his story. And part of that story is winning the day. Now, winning the day is, is kind of um, um, inspired. This series is inspired by Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C., wrote this book, uh, when the day seven daily habits to help you stress less and accomplish more. So we're going to borrow his uh, seven um, disciplines or habits that can help us win the day. But most of the contents is going to be mine or, or our churches as we pursue a God story and every day winning the day. Well, one of the first practices that he recommends is to flip the script. Well, what does that mean to flip the script? Well, we're going to get to that in just a second, but a good example of flipping the script has to do with an ancient uh, epic story back in Exodus, the book of Exodus, has to do with the people of Israel. So at one time, uh, God created all humanity. He created different races, different people, but God always had in his heart if he could just have one people, one nation, that would kind of reflect his goodness, his holiness, that they would be civil to each other, and people would look and say, you, you, you must be of God's people. And so he had this dream. Now, it was very primitive days, and Genesis tells us that he was looking for a person, and he found this young man named Abram. And uh, he went to Abram and said, Abram, I'm kind of choosing you because it's going to be out of your seed uh, that this great nation of mine uh, some of us know us as the Jewish people or the Israelites. It's going to come from your seed. And he's like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm, 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 I'm in, right? So God uh, gave him this promise that, that I'm going to build a nation of people. They're going to be so awesome and, and great. And they're going to be uh, more than the stars in the sky and more than the sand on the, on the beach. It's just going to be, they're just going to multiply and be awesome, give glory to me. So Abram's like, man, count on me. Let, let's go. Well, it didn't happen overnight. He got married and they're not having kids. And it's a long story you can find in the Bible. And then this, this vision, this dream was passed down to his son, Isaac, and Isaac held on to it. And then it went down to Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and Jacob had 12 boys, 12 uh, sons. And during that time, this is where God started multiplying 
his dream and this family, the nation of Israel started growing and coming together. Well, in those early days, they had a problem. Where they were living, there was a famine, and it was not good. And they're like, we got to go somewhere where we can feed our kids and our family. we gotta, we got to get up and move someplace. Someone said, well, I've, I've heard one of our brothers, he's down in Egypt, and Egypt was the, the great nation of that day. Uh, they have some food down there. And so uh, uh, Papa Jacob's like, well, let's go, kids. we got to get down there, and uh, let's migrate down there. So there they settled in Egypt. Well, that was a very time where the pharaohs were the most powerful, uh, enlarged people, and uh, those pharaohs had a big old ego, had a lot of power, a lot of pride, and it's like, man, let's build an empire. So let's put some pyramids up there. Let's start an infrastructure. Well, they, they figured out they didn't have enough manpower. Well, now they had this, this new kind of race coming in, this, this family, this, this small little nation people, these Jewish people, and they're like, hey, they're not of us. They're Egyptians. They're just kind of needy peasant people. Let's, let's make them build our empire and our infrastructure. And so they enslaved God's people in, in Egypt. And man, did they enslave them. And they just broke their back, broke their spirit. And God saw all this at that time. And God said, we got to change this story. You need to flip the script because it's not good. And so part of this dream, part of this change, is flipping the script, is that they would have to get out of enslavement under the power of, of Pharaoh into this new land that we, a lot of times, the Bible describes it as the promised land. So this is what the Lord said. Ephesians 3. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. He knows their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. And he describes it as a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, just visualize that. But first of all, the heart of God sees that they're in need, right? They are being brutalized, and he cares about that. Now, what does this tell us about us? That God sees our need. And sometimes we're in enslavement. We're not doing very well. Someone says that everybody is enslaved to somebody or something. Everyone's enslaved. Uh, it could be a slave to making that money, to achieving those great success, for being popular, for doing the next thrill. And a lot of times we're enslaved to ourselves. We're just like whatever satisfies us, whatever fulfills us, we're just driving after that. And before we know it, we can be in bondage. And my friends, I want to just share that the enslavement prevents us from winning the day. Many times, even our selfishness and our fulfillments, we've got to have this and we have these false needs in our life. It can prevent us from winning the day every day. So what we're going to find out uh, this morning and in the story of the Israelites, to win the day, you must first let God change your story. If we're going to win the day, we've got to flip the script and we've got to let God change our story. Now, this is the heart of God because he sees every one of us, if we're not publicly, but a lot of times inwardly, spiritually, emotionally struggling. A lot of times we're drowning. A lot of times we're, we're just not doing very well sometimes, and he cares for that. So he wants to help us flip the script, to have a new day, a new story. Same with the Israelites. So in this story, we're going to find three elements that help them flip the script. First of all, they would need a catalyst. A catalyst is something that 
prods us, it motivates us, it moves us. For them, it would be a man. His name was Moses. And God would find this man on the backside of the desert and said, Moses, I'm picking you. I'm going to need you because you're going to be the catalyst to get these people out of enslavement, out of Egypt, to the promised land. He's like, uh, me? What? Yeah, it's you. I need you to go. And so this is what he said to Moses. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I know that uh, Moses was overwhelmed. He's like, man, I, I don't have many skills. I don't talk very well. And it's scary. And Pharaoh's the big man. And you, you got to be kidding. Yes, you go. I need you to be the catalyst because these people are not going to be motivated Pharaoh's not going to be motivated and so someone is my voice. Someone has the courage to prod and to move the people. So the story goes on. Uh, God says to Moses, now you got to go to your people because they're not, they're, they don't know what's going on. So he says, go, assemble the elders of the Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes, that's, a, that's our heritage, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I've seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you out of your misery into Egypt, into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's that phrase again. It, it, it's the promised land. It's, it's a vision. God has a, a greater story. And he's, and he's calling me to encourage you <clears throat> to let's get out of here. Let's, let's move out. And, and uh, I'm your person. Do you think that can apply to us? Is there anybody in your life that ever speaks into your life that, that is prodding you? to go to the next level, to encourage you uh, to, to take a risk. Uh, maybe someone that's speaking into your life spiritually, sometimes you're like, well, I'm not sure if I always want to hear that. Uh, but they care. They love. They would be a catalyst of God. I found myself needing a catalyst. Uh, Terry and I were in a predicament. We uh, were newly married, and I changed my course of my career. Uh, I came out of, with a degree in communications, I got into advertisement and sales. But man, I just had a burning heart to just uh, reach uh, um, young people and be a youth pastor and call me into ministry. So I didn't have much education, but a pastor down in uh, southeast Texas, on the corner of Texas, um, gave me a shot and said, if you guys come down here, we got a couple of teenagers, you, we'll put you on staff, be youth pastor. Now, <clears throat> we were in, living in Kansas City at that time, and, and so, hey, we... We got our little cars together and our little U-Haul. And uh, we went down there. And for two years, we tried to be this youth pastor. It was pretty good, but there came to be some circumstances that things were not looking good and there needed to be some changes. And so we're all alone. We're stuck. And so meanwhile, uh, part of our movement, our church movement, the way we raise up ministers is a track. Uh, we call them ministers in training. And part of that track is that you have to go before these elders or these pastors and they they are mentoring you and encouraging you and keeping you accountable. And part of what we want to see from young um, ministers is experience, but we also want to see them with education. <clears throat> and I kind of needed both. And, and uh, I had a, a bachelor's degree, and, and, but I didn't have any biblical pastor education. So um, for that time, uh, seminary um, was kind of, out of the question, and so I'm sharing this story to these guys. So, oh, we know who you are, Jim. 
Um, we've been tracking you, and we've been gifting in you, and, but you do need education, and it looks like this, this situation is coming to the end, and so here's our recommendation to you, is that you need to go to Colorado, because up in Colorado, we have a, a smaller college, and it's a Bible college, and they fast-track pastors, uh, but they only give you an associate's degree, and this is what we think, if you really want to go to full-time ministry, this is where we think you need, you go a 1,000 miles up to Colorado Springs, and we'll put you in there, and for a couple of years, you'll get this associate's degree, and you'll be able to preach and, and do all that. So I was like, what? Where is this again? There's like, in Colorado, I was like, wait, that's a far away. I don't know anyone in Colorado, but I kind of knew what that school was. And, and, and privately, I was like, yeah, that's for older guys that didn't have much education, and they just went over there and did the side thing, and, and I'm, I'm a little better than that. I was thinking to myself, and I really don't want to go to that school. I already got a, a bachelor's and to get associates. I was like going backwards. Man, my pride was just rising up right. And I, what will my friends think if I go to there, that school? And oh, what was me, right? And there's just kind of this, like this, this rebellion happening in me. See, a lot of times we think that what our new script, our new story needs to be about circumstances. We need uh, physical or financial different stories in our life. But what God knew, and what I was beginning to learn, that the catalysts were not speaking to my physical circumstances or my educational circumstances, but more importantly was my inner circumstances, where my heart was, and the prodding and the pushing of God started in my soul. Just like when Moses showed up to those people and said, we need to have a change here. It's time to flip the script. Let's get ready. We're going to have to leave Egypt and go to God's promised land. Now, the second thing we're going to learn from the story is that they would need to choose to change. And this is harder than you think. Uh, if uh, Some of you might be in here that you, you don't have a problem with changing. It's kind of exciting for you. Some of you are anti-change, right? You're just kind of like, man, let's settle down. I don't like things shifting in my life because I, I, I like it very predictable. And all of a sudden, here comes uh, Moses. He's the catalyst. He's like, hey, God's got a better direction for us. He sees your enslavement, and, and uh, he doesn't like that. Well, a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I want to go. But at the same time, it's kind of risky. And I'm not sure about it. In fact, when Moses is confronting Pharaoh, he's like, uh-uh, they're not going. In fact, you think you're, you're this God that you're claiming that you're spoken for. Nope. And so he starts raising the level of, the, of the, their, their um, work. And these people are, are they're working even harder. Now they're, they're moaning and crying out to the Moses and said, man, you arrived on the side and, and we're working harder. What's all about this change? What about this flipping the script? What about this new promise? Line? I don't see. In fact, I'm not sure if we're going to leave. But he's talking about, why, do you, why don't you want to leave Egypt? Are you kidding me? There's a promised land. They're like, yeah, but it could be hard. It's risky. We don't know where it is. And here's the thing about enslavement. At least it's predictable, right? Even though we can be in misery, at least we know what misery is, right? And sometimes there's safety in just staying right where we are, not risking it. This is the way we were raised. This is how we've been living for years. And so we have a hard time choosing to change. It reminds me of some people we met uh, later in our ministry. Uh, God sent us to what we call the mission field. And uh, we went, he sent us to this little church in a little town in southeast Ohio. Never been there in my life, but that's where we went. And Southeast Ohio is kind of like Appalachian people. 
And it was very rural, a small little city, so small. In Ohio, they, they call them villages, okay? I'm talking like 1,500 people. Now, Terry and I are kind of city people, right? So we go driving in there. We're the new pastor, right? And, and it was lovely people. They were gracious people, but they were very backwards and kind of rural, you know? And I was like, hey, what do you do around here? Like, we collect guns and knives. And I was like, I got neither, right? I was like, ah, okay, well. And uh, I was like, hey, I noticed at the high school there's these there's these uh, pictures on the wall of graduates, right? And long time, back in the 30s, 40s, but yeah, there's grandpa, and there's my dad, and then there's my son, or, you know, there's me. I was like, you guys don't move here? You know, there's Columbus, Ohio, too. Oh, big city. That's scary, right? No, we stay right here, Pastor, because we got a factory right here, and our generations after generation, we stay in the same factory, and we just see it's more comfortable right here. I was like, wow. You don't explore. You're not willing to change. It's just very kind of fearful. And so I was like, hey, do you got a Chinese restaurant around here? Like, Chinese restaurant? No. I was like, you guys haven't had Chinese food? Oh, no, we're meat and potato people. Meat and potato, we've been doing that for years. And those older people were like afraid of Chinese food. And Terry and I was like, Chinese food can change your life. All right? I mean, it's like awesome. Expand your horizon. But they're very used to settling right meat and potatoes right in this village, and many of them did not willing to choose and change their situation. Well, I wasn't willing wanting to change my situation either. The catalysts were saying, you know, probably <clears throat> what we see in your life, we go to Colorado Springs and go to Bible college, and I was like, hmm, well, um, hmm, I don't want to do that. But I knew that these were godly people, and I knew they probably had the best for me, and I had a spiritual decision to make. And frankly, it, it really, not only the circumstantial um, logistics that would have to go into moving to a place that we didn't know anybody, never been there before, the finance, et cetera, but, but more importantly, my heart. And I remember uh, wrestling with God. And I remember coming to the point that said, God, um, I don't want to do this, but if it's your will, I'm willing to surrender my will. I'm willing to surrender my pride. And my humility, I had to grab a whole bunch of humble and move and go there and said yes with tears. And it was a, it was a game changer to leave Egypt, to, to, to leave this and go to a new place that would, would take a price and some courage and some change to go and try out this, this school that, that really wouldn't make me look good, but it would give me what I guess I would need. Now, the third thing that we see in this story is that the Israelite people would need a new story. They would need a new story that would include God. So here comes Moses. He's like, all right. He goes to Pharaoh and said, you see these Hebrew people over here? Uh, God is not happy with you. God has come in and sent me to let those people go. He's got a new nation, a new place to get them out of here. And Pharaoh's like, I'm not letting them go. No way. They're, they're helping me build my empire, my, my fame. And so Moses says, well, okay, you want to mess with God, then you got to pay the consequences, but God's going to bring some plagues. And so God starts bringing these plagues, man, and it is disastrous, right? And a few times the Bible tells us that Moses was kind of, sh or Pharaoh was kind of shook up, and man, it was horrific, and he brought environmental problems and bugs and locusts and changed the Nile River into blood, and it was a disaster, and and a couple times, Pharaoh's like, yeah, I'll get out of here. This is crazy. I don't want any of that. And then a couple of hours later, he's like, oh, no. Oh, my empire. Where am I? I have my slave. No, you get back here. You're not leaving. And it just kept ramping up. 
God would bring uh, storms. He'd bring uh, physical afflictions on everybody. And every time Pharaoh just crossed his arms and said, I'm not doing it. His pride, his ego, his empire just battled God. Finally, God came through Moses and said, you know what? seems like um, you're not willing. So we're going to have to bring, bring the angel of death. What's that? Okay, Pharaoh, in a couple nights, there's going to be an angel of the Lord that's going to come through. And uh, he's going to go to every house, the Egyptians and the Israelite homes. And he's going to go through that front door, and he's going to kill the firstborn child, unless there's a way out, unless you're willing to anoint the blood on your doorpost. Pharaoh's like, wow, he can't do that. I don't believe in that. So then God sent Moses to the Israelites and said, here's what's going down. And this is how he said it to them. He summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, this is a plant, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top of the doorpost and the sides of of the, the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top of the sides of your door frame and he will pass over that doorway. Pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter into your house and strike you down. This was a big deal. So he says, I I need you to get your lamb. Uh, And these things were precious. And I want you to get your best one. I want you to kill it. I want you to grab that blood. And you take this plant and you dab it specifically on the top and the sides. The top and the sides. What what does that remind us of? Have you ever seen anybody cross themselves? It's a sign of the cross. Now, they didn't realize that 1,500 years later, Jesus would die on the cross and the crown of thorns would bleed. And on top of that cross, there would be a blood stain. And the sides of the hands bleeding, there would be blood stains. And there was a symbolic connection between the exodus, the deliverance, the Passover of the Jewish people. And when Jesus would come 1,500 years ago, well, they did that. And they blotted that blood on these, on these um, door frames. And sure enough, the angel of death came through. And when he came to the, the Israelites, people that were obedient, and they applied the blood, and they did what Moses told them to do, that angel of death would go back. The destroyer would not enter into their house, but they would go to the Egyptians who were stubborn. They didn't want to do what God wanted to do, and there would be killing and screaming and crying. And finally, Pharaoh would break he would, he would cry out to Moses, get out of here, get out of here. You are released. Get out of here. And the deliverance and the promised land journey started to become. But it all had to do with that blood that was applied. God's story in their life. 1,500 years later, Jesus arrives on the scene. And John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, that doesn't mean much to us, but a Jewish person, when he said, Behold, the Lamb, they realized the Lamb. That was code for them that every year, see, throughout their their life, to have salvation, to get to heaven, to be right with God, it took a Lamb and it took blood. 
Because they knew they have sinned. We have all sinned. And to, to get God to say it's okay and to be right before God and for God to forgive, they would have to sacrifice. And, and lambs were precious. And, and, and God didn't take any lamb. He didn't say go back there and get the, the misfit and the son that looks ugly. No, you had to bring the best lamb. And you give them to the temple priest. And the priest would, would sacrifice. And they would go to the day of atonement. And that blood would be shed before the holy God. And they still believe in this today, that there has to be this, this day of atonement to cover our sins. And it took this sacrifice for God's wrath to pass over them. And still today, Jewish people, that's their identity. It's the Passover. They, they celebrate that every year. And it goes it harkens back to the story I'm telling you, that they were in trouble. They were enslavement in bondage. And because God showed up on their story and they applied God's blood, they were released, and they were a whole different nation and went to the promised land. I knew in my life, if we were going to win the day, we would need God on our side. We'd have to start a new story. And that, at that moment, it was, it, we'd have to move to, to Colorado. And uh, Terry and I, we didn't have much money. We were trying to be frugal, and we started doing some of the logistics and how much that would cost. And we're like, man, that's a big ticket. Uh, it's a thousand miles from where we lived, and we'd have to run a U-Haul, get a trailer, trailer our car, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we didn't have kids; we did have a dog, uh, and to do all that stuff. And it was like, man, that's gonna cost like nine hundred dollars of rent, gas, food, all the whole stuff. And and uh, we didn't know a soul up there. And and we, in fact, we called the, the college and said, hey, uh, the comforts thing about coming. God wants us to go up there. Do you got any help? And I'm like, well, come on up. And the class starts here. And they got any jobs for us? No, we can't help you with jobs. You just have to find one. Oh, okay. Uh, any place to stay? Well, no. But we do have this one pastor, and he's willing to give you a basement. He's got a basement. He'll let you stay there for a couple of weeks. And um, that, I, we didn't know this guy. We'd call him, hey, would you willing to have? He's like, sure, come on up. We got a basement. So I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, God, you're going to have to help us. And, and so we're worrying about this finances, how we're going to pay for this. I got a credit card. And it was like 900 bucks. So the day came where we were resigned, and the church was good to us, and said, let's have a little party for the comforts and have a little reception. And so uh, they, they had a little reception, and they gave a love offering to us. And those generous people gave uh, $400 to, to our expenses and a love offering for us. We're like, wow, that's like amazing, awesome, right? And uh, we're, saying, well, we're still in the hole, and, but we're going to make it and help us, Jesus. And so, so we had this little reception. The, the car was packed. Everything's ready to go. We're leaving the next morning, okay? So now it's night, and we gave her hugs and crying and stuff, and thank you, goodbye. I go back to my office to get my keys and stuff. We're going to get in the car and go. And this guy in our church who owned a small business, he's following back. And I'm thinking, why are you coming back to my office? I just said bye to your family. Mm. All right, so he comes to my office, closes the door, and says, uh, Jim, we, I just want you to know, my family and I, we just really appreciate you and Terry. We want to help you, and here's an envelope. Thank you so much. We get home, we open up the envelope, and guess how much money's in there, right? Five $100 bills. You do the math, it was $900 between what the people gave and this business guy, $900. God was in this thing. God is providing our needs. We need God in our story. Because if we're going to win the day, we first have to let God change our story. Now, I realize a lot of times that our, our circumstances need to change sometimes. Sometimes we need God to show up and help us with a, a, a new job because this job is not meeting the, the bills. Uh, sometimes it's a health crisis. Oh, God, we need deliverance. 
We, we are hurting physically and medically, and we need you to step in. Sometimes there's circumstances like abusive relationships that, that God definitely has to physically change our circumstances. But I would suggest to you that a lot of times it's not our physical circumstances that need to change. It's our inner conditions that need to change. Because a lot of times we are plagued. We are enslaving ourselves. We, we are craving things that are out of God's will. And sure, on the outside, we look great. Sure, on the outside, we can have some pleasures and we can have some functionalities and maybe our bills are paid. But inwardly, there's just a, a kind of a, an estrangement. There's just a, a little bit of um, unfulfillment, dissatisfaction. And, and we're not sure what that is because the whole time we, we've been leading our story. Why God has a story for us that we haven't really embraced and sometimes we get caught up in, in enslavements or bondage. Sometimes they're, they're habits that are, not, um, that are not healthy at all. Sometimes there's, there's hurts. We're walking around with these, these hurts from the past. Sometimes we've got hang-ups. Well, that church did this, and that person did that, and I'm mad at God, and, and so I'm just going to write my own story. And, we, and there's pride, and there's insecurities that we're wrestling with. And, and here's this enslavement and bondage. And God is like, man... I want you to win today. I want you to start by flipping the script. And I want to be a part of your story. I want to be the writer of your new story. Now, friends, if this, this intrigues you and say, well, maybe I'd like to let God change my story. What is God's story for my life? How did this work out in, in the uh, Israelites? Well, let me give you a couple of recommendations if you want God to help write a new story in your life. Because God's story is always the best story. God's story is always the best story if we allow him to write it. Number one, you got to be honest about your story. you got to be honest about your story. So a lot of times we're really not honest about what's happening inwardly in our life. A lot of times we're blinded by pride. We can be blinded by our culture. Hey, our culture embraces whatever we want and whatever fills you and whatever gratifies you, man, just do it. We're not going to put any boundaries on that, man. Just, just whatever. Just be you, right? Go for it. There might be family members like, man, don't, don't get caught up in that religious stuff, that Christian stuff. That's too wonky and weird. You know, you just kind of do your things. And, 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 but, and we never take time to say, well, maybe there's something missing. Maybe I am enslaved some of, some of these hap, habits or, or hurts. Sometimes we can be enslaved in our self, that the self is so prideful and is so driven that it's all about the Pharaoh of self, right? And God is over there, and I don't want him. And before you know it, man, we, we, our story is not unfolding like we'd like. So sometimes God brings a catalyst in our life to help us to be honest with our story. There could be some people in your life, or maybe it's a book, maybe it's a, a podcast, or maybe it's a minister or something. It's like, hey, God loves you. He's got something more for you. Would you open up? Would you just be a little honest about your, your story? Second thing, we have to be willing to change our story. Now, this is, this is the hard part. We've got to be willing to change our story. Okay, this is where courage and faith comes in. Right? Because God wants to write a new story. And frankly, it's just human nature just to settle. We're like, you know what, God, I, we're fine, right? We're, we're just managing and we're, we're okay. Um, but half the time we're not okay because there's something distant. There's something um, not right with our relationship with the supernatural the, the God. And here's God the whole time 
say, man, I got a promised land for you. For the Israelites, it was a land flowing with milk and honey, and they eventually would, would, would get there, and we're going to explore that in the next couple of weeks. I love you. One of my favorite quotes is by Francois Fenelon that says, The wind of God is always blowing, but you must hoist your sail. See, God, you don't have to, friends, you don't have to pay attention to God, but he's still going to be moving. He's moving around this universe, moving around this world, but he, he invites us to raise our soul. He invites us to raise our spirit and catch his wind, catch his spirit. And, and, and just like that song that we were talking about, man, we run to the Father. God, God Father, what do you have for me? And, and a lot of times when life is so disappointing and scary, God says, run to me, man. My wind is blowing of love and care and compassion. Come to me. And he embraces us. And, and God wants to do new things in our life. Just as the Israelites, he wanted to, to get them out of their Egypt and their bondage into a promised land. God wants that in your life. We think about what Paul was sharing to the Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. A new creation. Well, that means he gives me a new house and he gives me a new job. Not necessarily. Okay. He gives us a new heart. And we start living life from the inside out versus the outside in. And if you want the new, you got to choose to let go of the old. If you want the new in your life, you got to have the courage and faith to let go of the old. That is being willing to change your story. And the third I want to recommend, you got to bring the cross into your story. you got to bring the cross in your story. So, um, and the cross really is a symbol for God. Now, Batterson, in his book, he, he talks about the, the Israelites and how uh, this story, the, the, the Exodus, and he, he shares that for the Jewish people, and there's Jewish people in our, in our neighborhoods and, and city or whatever, you know, their whole big deal is the Passover. In fact, their identity is this Exodus story. They, they are God's chosen people. God loved them. And so they always hearken back to when Moses said, you got to apply the blood. You've got to get the blood on your house. And if the blood is not there, the destroyer will come into your home and kill your oldest child physically. Now, friends, um, God, the, the evil one, the destroyer, is not coming into our house physically. But I would submit to you, and you might think I'm crazy, and Jim, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I believe, and I've seen it, that the destroyer wants to come into your mind and your soul and corrupt and pollute and take you down. And God says, I went to the cross. My blood was shed, and freely I give you my life and my blood to apply to your home, your soul, your mind. The destroyer would pass over you. So the Jewish people are always going back to the ancient and haven't realized when Jesus showed up, he was the Lamb of God. He was the last Lamb, and we don't need any more blood. We don't need any more temple and Atonement by faith, God says, I'm the last. That's why we take communion a lot of times. Because he says, I've, I've, I'm the last sacrament. I'm the last sacrifice. When you take the cup, when you eat the bread, it's done. Be free, be healed, be forgiven, and starts to become our identity, the cross. Have you done that? Have you applied the blood of Christ on your life and received him? That if anything would happen to us, that, that the eternal life of damnation would pass over us. The new life of Christ would give us eternal life because the blood was applied to our life. See, this all corresponds to the win the day. If you're going to win the day, you first have to let God change your life. 
So this morning, I would just encourage you that if you're not necessarily winning the day privately, emotionally, spiritually in your life, here's those three things to do. First is to be honest about your story. Okay, maybe I do need to think about God. Who's that catalyst? Who's speaking in my life? Second, be willing to change your story. Raise your sail. The wind of God is blowing. Thirdly, bring the cross into your story. I need the blood applied. The destroyer is knocking on my door. I want all of God. I want to be free and live within him. You know, I saw this take place um, in the last year in this pandemic. A lot of inner things were happening to people, not to mention the, the physical outer things happening to people. And I got a phone call uh, from a longtime friend of mine that said, Jim, I need your help. If you wouldn't mind, I need you to just pray for me. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I haven't heard, you for, heard from you for a while. What's, what's going on? How, how can I pray? Well, he says, man, I just find myself in a dark place. I just find myself emotionally, spiritually in a very dark place. And I don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, if, if you don't mind, I, I'd love to pray for you. Is there, how, could, would you like to share a little bit? And, and kind of, we kind of knew each other's past. And at one time, he had a relationship with God and good guy. And and then, like a lot of people, he just moved on with life, right? Got a family and got a career and things to do and didn't find a church. And he kind of fades out and made some money, did his own thing. Now, the destroyer is, is knocking on his door. It's entered in his, his house, his soul, right? His mind. He said, man, I'm just in this dark world that, man, I just have, I got, it's not like my life is collapsing. He says, but man, just emotionally, Mentally, spiritually, I, I just am always plagued by dark thoughts and the worst and negativity and regrets and worries, and it, I can't get a free from it. I've, I've done everything I could. I've been to professional. I've tried some medicine. I'm just, I'm just plagued. Would you just pray? I said, I said, would you give me a chance to just share a little bit? He says, sure. <clears throat> so I was like, hey, man, welcome to the club, all right? Because here's the little secret. Everyone is p- plagued. Everyone deals with the negativity and the darkness. It's just what you're going to do about it, and, and who's your help there? And, and God. And I kind of shared some of the dark moments in my life, and I, I said, I too have, have some false truths that come into my mind that plague me, right? And, and here's the things that I've, I've learned, and I've, I've grown, not, I've grown emotionally, I've grown spiritually, and God has brought me light and truth and, and freedom and, and security and, and blessings, right? That we don't have to live in enslavement. And, and it's like, really? Yeah, really? And I was like, yes, really, okay? But there's hope. There's a new story. There's a new day. And, and so then he let me be his catalyst. He let me prod him. He let me bring in some, here's some of the tools. Here's some of the books that I've read. Here's some of the, the habits that, that I try to do every day, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Okay, and, and, and pretty soon I said, why don't you try this and check in? And we start checking in on each other. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking this. And, and I was like, man, there's two truths out there. The, 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 the truths that you believe about yourself, they're really false and lies. And then there's the truth of the Bible. 
I know you kind of gave up on the Bible and, and God, but he, this is the truth. And he wants to forgive you and he, he believes in you, really? Because over here, I feel like a failure. I feel like I can't do anything right. Yeah, but the Bible says that he has, he has created you, that there's a spirit to help us to win everyday life because his spirit, would you give the spirit a chance? And, and he's like, well, he, but, but I messed up. And he's like, I know, but the truth of forgiveness. Yeah, but I was taught to perform this way. I said, I know we were taught to perform and a lot of times we couldn't figure it out, but we really wasn't taught about grace and forgiveness and love like a, like a daddy who believes you receive that by faith, come back to God. And little bit by little, this guy starts uh, applying some of these steps. He starts listening to these podcasts about spiritual healing and emotional healing and, and the truths of God. And, and we're kind of, of course, but pretty soon, man, he's coming back to his faith. Pretty soon, he's, he's like, I see. I see the beauty of God. And every time there's a thought that comes that wants to plague me and, and, and enslave me, I'm, I'm going to take that and, and push it to the back, right? And, and I'm going to think about the truth of God. I'm going to read about the truth of God. I'm going to be a connoisseur of the good things before I know he's, he's getting on top of the pile, right? And, 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 and he says, Jim, I'm doing really good now. I'm doing really good. My friends, his, he flipped the script. I'm telling you, God got in the story, helped change his story. He's on his way to the promised land. Doesn't mean he's out of the woods. Doesn't mean that he's still journeying. Absolutely. So am I, all right? But he w- was willing to flip the script and let God change his story. And now he's winning the day, every day, emotionally, spiritually, even in, hi- in his career. So, my friends, I want to invite you. If you're interested in winning the day, then to the next steps probably would to continue in this path. For the next six uh, Sundays, we're going to be talking about these principles. The next Sunday, we're going to be talking about, hey, what, what happens when we hit a barrier like the Red Sea? Uh-oh, we're in trouble. What do we do with obstacles? Does God have a story, the way to win that, to win the day? Now, if God is speaking to your heart and you need some personal prayer, um, or really like to apply the blood to your life, uh, Pastor Peggy and I are going to be lingering up here uh, at, at the end of this service after prayer. I know that you want to, want to get out and uh, uh, have some food and stuff. By the way, when you go out there, you're going to have to buy some tickets uh, for your food uh, and some donuts, whatever. Uh, but for now, let's, let's just kind of close up. Why don't you stand and let's pray, and then I'll just kind of dismiss you. <clears throat> Oh, gracious God, um, we thank you for this awesome story about these people that found themselves physically enslaved in bondage. But God, you saw their need. You saw their, their entrapment, and you brought it, God. And mostly you brought the blood that they could be delivered, and they could get out of Egypt, eventually into the land flowing with milk and honey. God, you know that applies for everyone here, that we can find ourselves entrapped by hurts, hang-ups, sin, habits, you name it. But God, you said, apply the blood, trust in you, and you will help flip the script and change your story. We love you for that. Help us now. Bless our food and our, and our fun, and we'll give you the praise. Amen.